The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. Good morning and welcome once again to Spirit Mornings with Bruce McGregor and Chris McGregor. And joining us today in studio... Father Mark Sizza and the Spirit Catholic Radio Chorus, conducted by Mary Beth Lemke. She does such a good job with the choir. They are good. She does, really. Somewhat angelic. Yes, a crazy bunch of misfits that they are. <laughs> Come together, make beautiful music when it comes to praising God. Amazing. Especially yeah. the Miserere, it's lovely. I could just listen to them all day. Oh, I could. It's beautiful. It's like heaven and earth touch. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Father, we're glad you could be with us again today. Always a pleasure. Last week was a little crazy with all kinds of announcements being made and signal upgrades happening, archbishops being designated. It's just one of those times that uh, we didn't have an opportunity to have you on, but we're so glad you're back this week. Yeah, it's good to be back. So. Give the listeners a little bit of a vacation, so maybe that's not all a bad thing. No, <laughs> we love it when you're here, especially now that we're powered up to our full strength, right, Bruce? That's right. Bring it on. Very important that we have a, a full understanding and appreciation of Our Lady's role in the life of the church and in our lives as well. I love her. She's awesome. She is. She's an awesome. It's great to have a mother. mother. It's great to have a mother like that. You know. In mm-hmm. mm-hmm. one area that we need to talk about is a Marian dogma that many people are confused on. And unfortunately, a lot of Catholics are confused on mm-hmm. this. And then you just have to say, okay, let's all sit down and listen and ponder this great understanding we have of the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people think that the, it's the virgin birth, the conception of Jesus in the womb of Mary. That That is not the Immaculate Conception. And that's, again, I... I guess just from the the title of it or whatever, that's you know a lot of people think that that's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, the Immaculate Conception actually refers to the conception of Mary in the womb of her um, of her mother, you know, and she was conceived in the way that babies are normally conceived. And but when Mary was conceived, there was something special about it because normally what happens is that the the stain of original sin gets transmitted to us, and we all in in it. It, we all have to deal with the effects of that. But but when Mary was conceived, she was um, she was spotless. She was stainless. She she didn't receive that stain of original sin. That from the very first moment of her conception, um, she was freed from that stain uh, of original sin. Now we'll take this bit by bit so that everybody can you know fully grasp it and then ponder it and take it into prayer as we should with all the teachings of the church. First off, when we talk about her parents, tradition teaches us, this little t tradition, not big t, but little t tradition teaches us that their names were Joachim and Anne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how would we know what their her parents' names are? Where does that come from? Do you know? Um, I, I Actually, I don't. I, I can only speculate. Uh, we do know that, like the um, gospel writer Luke, when he um, talks about giving his account of the of the gospels he says that he um made inquiries into certain other people 
And uh, one of the things that you see in the Gospel of Luke is there are a lot more um, just stories like the infancy narratives are, are, are elaborated a lot more and different things like that. So it, it's it it's at least not out of the realm of possibility that he, Mary was one of his sources that he used for that, um, for, for his gospel. And so it can be that, you know, that it was just passed on from, you know, from Mary to the apostles that they, you know, that they knew their family or that, you know, that she hadn't talked about her parents or whatever. And that this was passed on from one generation to the next generation, um, uh, among Christians. And so it just became a part of the, of the oral tradition. Again, it, it has never been, um, uh, dogmatically, I don't, I don't think right. declared, but, but that's, but they are, they are declared saints. So there is something to be said for that in, in the, in the tradition of the church. Yeah, and and we actually be, celebrate their feast yeah. days. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be certainly unreasonable so, yeah. for people to have known the parents of Mary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because even like, if you look in the gospel of Matthew, you have the whole, um, lineage of, of St. Joseph. Mm -hmm. I mean, so we know, you know, his father's name was Jacob. So, mm -hmm. And there are potentially other writings that did not make it to canonical status as the, our scriptures that we find in the Bible. But there is enough backing on that that we know that it's Joachim and mm -hmm. Anne. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about Mary's conception, the Immaculate Conception, just one more time for folks, dogma is what? I mean, just the fact that it is dogma, what does that mm -hmm. mean? A dogma is, is an official... Um, declaration by the church that that all Catholics must give assent to if you want to be in union with the church. And so uh, when it, it, normally what happens is that there will be some question about some issue or there will be some discussion or something like that. And then the church will come together either as a council or it will be a, a pope will make a, a declaration from his, his office as Peter, as a successor of St. Peter. And he'll say, this is this is what the definition is of this. And so, like, for example, when, when Pius IX declared uh, the dogma of the uh, Immaculate Conception in 1854, again, it, w it wasn't something that he just, Catholics all of a sudden started believing in 1854, that this is, oh, we believe in the Immaculate Conception now. It's something that we had always believed, but there became uh, questions about it, or there was attacks, and so he wanted to define exactly what do we mean when we say that Mary is the Immaculate Conception. And so he says, we declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which holds that the Most Blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instant of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved free from all stain of original sin, is a doctrine revealed by God, and therefore to be firmly and constantly uh, held by all the faithful. So, so it, it's something that, you know, the, the Pope is saying, this is a part of, of, of revealed truth to us. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the, the revelation of truth in our sacred scripture, but there is also a part, oral tradition is also part of divine revelation as well. And so these things that are handed on to us, not just in sacred scripture, but also in the oral tradition of the church are both considered part of the word of God, are part, considered part of divine revelation. And so he says, yes, this, because there was a question, is this part of divine revelation or is it not? And so he had to come out and make a definition. He says, yes, this is, and this is what it means it, to say that Mary was conceived without sin. And so that's what, when, that's what the dogma, that's what it means to have a dogma in the church, and specifically as it refers to, to our Blessed Virgin Mary in the Immaculate Conception. Right. Again, and we've said this several times now when we've talked about Mary and dogma, that it is primarily teaches us more about the person of Jesus and who Je Jesus is, or it teaches us about ourselves what it is to be human. 
it's not even as much about Mary, but it's about those two other things. And there she is being the window, once again, that we look through her to learn more about either ourselves or about Jesus. Exactly. Because one of the things that we recognize about sin is sin is, in a certain sense, it, it's selfishness. It, it prevents us from saying yes completely to God. And one of the things, because of the of the work that or, or the vocation that God had given to our Most Blessed Mother to be the Mother of God, to give um, to give human consent to the incarnation, Mary, um, in a certain sense, God was equipping her to be able to say yes to Him. And so, when the angel Gabriel comes. She was able to say, you know, be it done unto me according to thy word. And she was able to give full and complete consent, which we, because we are affected by original sin, can't, we can't do that. You know, we always have mixed motivations. There's always some, some part of us that we, we withhold from God that we, d- we don't give ourselves completely. But because Mary wasn't affected by original sin, she was able to say yes, not just for herself, but in a certain sense, she was able to respond for all humanity to say yes to the Incarnation, to accept that gift of, of God's love uh, of Jesus Christ uh, for everyone. And so that, because when she says yes, that opens up then the floodgates uh, of grace for all of us, that, that all of us can now be saved. Just as a cliffhanger, there is a way to scripturally prove this, too. Yes. So and we'll talk about that. stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, which is a 501c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts, faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com. Bruce McGregor and Chris McGregor joined in studio today by Father Mark Sizza. Why is it every time he shows up? Sublime chant happens? Yes. He's sublime. (laughs) You're such a chanty fellow. (laughs) Father, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Always a joy. Well, everybody gets to pick their theme music, and you just pick the. Forget the th- one song; it's a whole. I, I like this salve. This is this is really music. this is really nice. We had the Regina Chaley during um, during the Easter season, mm-hmm. and now uh, during ordinary time, we go back to the salve. So that's that's yep. very that's very appropriate. It works. And for all of us who are Latin challenged, Salve Regina, of course, is the Hail Holy Queen, mm-hmm. Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Yes, yeah. We have a lot to be hopeful for. Yes, I do. do. I just love her. And we also have a cliffhanger quote-unquote, to resolve from before we went to break. All right. We're going to do a little Greek 101, and we're going to prove in the scriptures exactly why Mary is without sin, why she is the Immaculate Conception. Take it away, Father. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> show, us your, show us your Greek. You know, I, I always used to be confused at why the church 
on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception gave us the the gospel reading of the Annunciation, which is the virgin birth, because I thought that that would just, that just added to the confusion. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was actually in the seminary that we actually started talking about that passage and, and what it exactly means. And the gospels were originally written in Greek, and this is in the gospel of Luke. And so when the angel Gabriel comes and he greets Mary, he says, you know, Kairi Mary, Kekari Tomene, Hokorios Metosu, or something like that. Oh, that's so great, <laughs> Father. <laughs> uh, nice. And, uh, and uh, my apologies to any Greek scholars out there. But, um, but the word Kekari Tomene, which is often translated as highly favored daughter or filled, um, filled with grace, is actually, when you look at it in the, in the Greek, he's actually greeting her as one probably a more literal translation would be one having been filled with grace. And so when the angel Gabriel greets her, he says, Hail, one having been filled with grace. And so he's talking to her as as this is something that has already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is this is not something that is going to happen when, you know, when the incarnation comes in. Because that's a lot of times when people think that maybe she was... Con- um, non-Catholics think that, that she was sanctified, is that when, when Jesus came into her womb, then, right. then she was sanctified. But no, but he's greeting her as one who's already filled with grace. That, mm-hmm. And so this is, scripturally speaking, now you can interpret this in any way you want to, but, but this is the way that we have in our Catholic tradition have interpreted this. This is a sign, and when you couple that then with the tradition that we've had, this becomes our scriptural reference point then for the Immaculate Conception, is that she's the one who is already filled with grace, and that's how the angel greets her. Mm-hmm. And this goes back, uh, I mean, way back into the, the writings of the fathers of the church. I mean, if you if you were to do a, a real serious study, you can find this teaching, not back to even the time of Constantine, but even before that, the church has always understood this, because when the angel, again, what Father, I, what I hear you saying, he is naming her, essentially. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He, just as Peter, when... Our blessed Lord changed his name essentially from Simon to Rock to Peter. When the angel Gabriel came, he didn't say to her, Hail Mary, full of grace. He said, Hail, essentially grace filled. Yeah, exactly. One one yeah. yeah. It's who she is. Is she is the one who is filled with grace. And that's that's very significant because I mean, this is her character. This is who she is. As Peter is rock, she is grace-filled, the one who is already full of grace. Now, that's significant because it goes back to the creation of ma- male and female. Exactly. I was just going to bring that up because <laughs> Take the, it away, because Mary is the new <laughs> because Mary is the new Eve, right. and that's one of the things that that the church fathers will begin to reflect on is that. They will look at at Eve's role in the fall of man, and then they'll look at Mary's role then in the in the new creation, in the redemption of mankind. And so, just as Eve was created sinless without, and she cooperated in that fall, so Mary was created sinless, and she was and she was able to then cooperate in the redemption. And so that that Mary is the new Eve. That's one of the oldest um, the oldest titles of Our Lady that that you see in Sacred Scripture. You know, in in the I can't remember which uh, book it is, but it talks about in, in St. Paul, it talks about Christ being the new Adam. And so the the Church Father is saying, well, okay, if we have this new Adam here, then there has to be a corresponding new Eve somewhere. And, and then they begin to reflect on, it. well, this is the Blessed Virgin Mary, because if we look at her role, at what she did in in, in again giving consent and saying, may it be done to me according to your word, that's what allowed the 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 recreation or the the redemption to come out just as when 
when Adam or when Eve, you know, she led to the the disobedience of Adam. Mm-hmm. So, so it's really beautiful to to see that that parallel that that, that they see in sacred scripture. And or, you brought up the translation of the Greek word care. I'm not. Kekaritomeni. One more time. Kekaritomeni. That's so good. That's I would, how I say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're saying it better than I would. I would say kekaritomeni. <laughs> it always ends up becoming the the, like, the Mohawks. Kekaritomeni. Yeah, for me. But seriously, when you look at that Greek word, it is so important that that understanding that it, she is grace-filled, because when we look at our renderings of translations, they have been woefully inadequate, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And many scholars will tell you that, mm-hmm. even the church, in a way, because the, the New American Bible, which is the translation for the Catholics in America, our lectionary pulls from the New American Bible the readings we here on Sundays. It's interesting. On this particular passage, however, as you just stated, from the readings from the Immaculate Conception Celebration of the Mass, in the lectionary, it does not take it from the New American Bible the way that it is currently. The Church chose to leave that particular translation, not Hail, Highly Favored Daughter, as it is in, in the New American Bible, but they left it, Hail, Full of Grace. And because it is such an important translation, that's why some folks have had, and scholars have had some real problems with the translation use of the New American Bible in the lectionary, and, and why they're probably adapting that, aren't they? Yeah, and that, that's just one of the whole things about translation. That's why it's important to know the original languages, that they were, whether it's the Hebrew or the Greek, or um, that they were written in, because it, there can be a lot of interpretation that goes along with the translation. And mm-hmm. so if you don't understand the original language that it was written in, then it, or even the original context for which it was written, then you know you're going to be missing out something um, very important, and that's that's also why it's, it's very important to have tradition, because the tradition will help you to understand how has this passage been traditionally, how have we always understood this? You know, how did the people that first heard the gospel, how did they understand it? How did the um, you know, and and, th- and then you can look at throughout the course of history. How have we, as Catholics, how have we always understood that? And so, both of those together, I think, are, are very, very important as as far as the the, the actual scripture of, of what it actually says, the translation, and then and then also the tradition of how to interpret that. Okay, here's a question. She is grace filled. She is overflowing in grace. What is grace? Grace is, um, back from my Baltimore catechism days, <laughs> grace is God's life within us. Mm-hmm. And so from the, from the very first moment of Mary's conception, she was filled with God's life. And, and in that, God's, that, that life, uh, that divine life, that, that indwelling of the Trinity, um, it, it, was, it, it is something that overflowed into, into everything that she did. And everybody that came in contact with her experienced that, that, that overflowing of grace as well. So that's important because now here is the living God, the Word incarnate, going to dwell within the body and the womb of a human woman. Why would he want a vessel that was not fully grace-filled to inhabit? Just like the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. Exactly, and that's another thing that you see in the... Um, in the Gospel of Luke, one of the things that you see is that that Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. That's one of the parallels that he's. I don't have time to go into all that today, but but you see that that's one of the things that he's he's trying to draw out. That he's trying to show that Mary is the, the new dwelling. You know that, that that she is the new Ark of the Covenant, 
And that, you know, just as in the Old Testament, they, you know, the Ark of the Covenant was something, that was someplace, it was, it was special because the, you know, the, the, the Shekinah, the dwelling of God would, you know, the, the, the presence of God would come and, and rest upon it. Mm-hmm. And, and it had to be, so because of that, it had to be, it had to be something that was very, very special. It had to be made in a, in a certain way. And there were ways that they, you know, that they did things that for, in terms of ritual purity. And so how much more than must this vessel that is going to contain the the word of god you know that jesus christ word incarnate you know what she must be something very very special you know oh, never yeah. never to have been touched by sin because jesus is you know he is the word of god and so to have him be f- completely free from that because he takes his human nature from mary what sin is sin is is a distortion it's it's a corruption of the way that something should be and so if Jesus is going to redeem us, he wants to have a fully, um, a, a, a perfect human, you know, the way that a human nature, the way that God designed it, the way that God wanted it. Not In one the that, beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Not yeah. one that was, that was affected by sin. And so she becomes this vessel by, from which he takes his own human nature. And, and then it, it is in that, that spotless, it is in that sinless person of Jesus Christ that, that we become, that we are redeemed, that we are saved, because that's what enabled him then to offer that perfect sacrifice to the Father. Because if he has a corrupted human nature, then he's not going to be able to offer that perfect sacrifice to the Father in right. heaven. It bears repeating, you know, when we, we look at the Ark of the Covenant, it was the place where the Holy of Holies dwelled, mm-hmm. where the Word, the tablets were placed there, and the rod, the staff, of Moses was placed in the Holy of Holies. Such a sacred, precious, pure spot that if you were to go in there, you die. I mean, unless you were of the line of Aaron and a chosen priestly line of Aaron, anyone else, you would die because you would be in the presence of God. And it was just, it would be too much. That's why it was so significant when King David went and t- to pray and ask for mercy in that great Psalm 51, you know, where he's trying to make atonement for his sin. And that the fact that he lived showed everyone that God did accept his repentance. So when we think about Mary, what's greater here? Something's greater here. Exactly. The living God is in, in within her womb. Why would God not fashion a human person? To be that the way he originally tended woman to be mm-hmm. in that that grace filled state. Exactly, and I it, love her. You, <laughs> just, just Mary's tell. great. Yeah. Just kind of piggybacking on that a little bit. If you if you look at sacred scripture when it talks about the the presence of God when it would come down and rest upon the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, the word is is, is Shekinah in in Hebrew. And again, my my pardon to all you Hebrew scholars out there. <laughs> I don't know if my pronunciation is correct or not, but. Um, that's how we learned it. But um, the when when that was translated, there's an ancient translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And when it, when that was translated into the Greek, it used a word in something like episkaizo. And so when Luke in the New Testament, when he talks, he uses that that word in on a, a couple of uh, special occasions. One is when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Again, he talks about it as episkaizo. And then also at the at the um, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, that you see that word used again. And it, it's used very, very sparing, uh-huh. sparingly in all of sacred scripture. But that, again, shows that Mary is that, that, that new dwelling place of, you know, of God. You know, God made visible, God made man. 
the, the person of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, she is, she is someone very special. You know, when, when we think about just the work that he had called her to do, you know, to be his mother, according to the flesh, is really, um, it, it's really, it, it really is amazing. And again, I mean, the, the church always understood this. It wasn't until, though, 18, the 1850s, when the church felt that it needed to make this proclamation. When you look at what's happening in the world in the 1850s, Europe had just survived, not only, uh, well, we look at France, the mm-hmm. terror, yeah. where, oh my goodness, the inhumanity to the fellow man, the scourge of Napoleon on the continent of Europe, the Industrial Revolution is taking place where people are being used as commodities, as vessels within a industrial machine. You have Karl Marx, who is advocating, again, the lifting up of the state and the diminishment of the the importance of the individual. Charles Darwin's teachings are just coming out, not to go on a big jag on him. But at this time, the value of the human person, the dignity of the human person was diminishing like a landslide. And the church stepped forward. I mean, again, this teaching about what we were created to be, ultimately, that's what this dogma is more about, isn't it? Exactly. And and you'll see this kind of, there's really kind of two bookends to this one. The the other one being the, the Assumption of Mary, which was declared about 100 years after that mm-hmm. um, by Pope Pius XII. And, um, but both of those really, they, they speak to that very point, you know, just to the dignity and value of, of each human person that we can't, treat each person as an object for our use, but but each person is called by God to holiness. Each person is called by God to dwell not just spiritually in heaven when we die, but but body and soul. You mm-hmm. know, that's the meaning of the resurrection of the body, you know, that, that even our human body is going to participate in that. And that's what Mary's Mary's assumption into heaven also shows. So so this this dogma of the Immaculate Conception, it really shows just the great dignity yeah, that God has given to given to the human person, that we are enabled and allowed to participate in divine life, and that we are called to share in that, that, that divine sonship, you know, in Jesus Christ. And it really is, um, again, you know, you can't use enough superlatives yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> to really describe what God has done for us, but it really is amazing when you begin to think about it. Yeah. Let's ponder it. <laughs> it's it's some, it really is something that you lady. it really is something to take to prayer. You know, just to, yeah, in the sacred scripture, I love that when Saint Luke wrote that, you know, and Mary pondered all these things in her heart. You know, these are things that you know it is kind of hard to get our minds around it sometimes. You know, because it, just because it, it that's the reason that it's a mystery. You know, there's there's more about this that we don't understand than we actually do understand, and that's you know that's the meaning of the word mystery. But but when you can really begin to to reflect on and ponder on these mysteries, that's what the church has been doing for the last you know, 2,000 years that's been pondering on this mystery. And sometimes it takes 1,854 years or whatever, uh-huh. you know, for, for, that, for that mystery to even be articulated in a way that we can understand it. Right. Well, I just think it's an extraordinary gift to us, and especially the presence of Our Lady. So everybody out there in class, remember, the Immaculate Conception is about Mary's conception and how she was created not to be confused with the Annunciation, which is how our Lord was... Um, exactly. The virgin birth. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Father Mark Sizza joining us today. Father, is always a pleasure. Uh, as we wrap up our all-too-brief time together, uh, the final thought or observation on this as we conclude? Um, just one thing. Yeah. One of the questions that comes up sometimes is, well, if Mary was 
is the Immaculate Conception then? Was she saved by Jesus Christ? Because Mary came, you know, obviously in time, Mary came before Jesus. You know, the right. mother has to come before the son. So because she was conceived and born before Jesus, you know, how can, is it possible that, that she could be saved by, you know, by Jesus Christ who, who would offer that sacrifice on the cross later on? And this is one of the things that the church had a hard time, um, uh, you know, figuring out. And it was uh, Blessed Duns Scotus was one of the uh, Franciscan thinkers that really kind of laid the groundwork for this to be able to be understood. And what he said is that Mary was saved with a prevision of the merits of what Jesus Christ would do on the cross. Mm -hmm. So in, in a certain sense, it's kind of like if you think about it, uh, buying something on credit. Right. You know, you go to the store. You pull out your credit card, you, 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 you pay for your groceries or whatever. I mean, you get to take those home, you get to eat them or do whatever, but, you know, at the end of the month, you have to pay the bill. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and so it's kind of the same way with Mary. You know, she was, in a certain sense, she was bought on credit of what Jesus Christ would do uh, later on in, in, the, in his redemptive sacrifice on the cross. And so she was saved with a view, uh, with, with a prevision to the merits of, of, of what Jesus Christ would do on the cross. And so that's, I think that's something that's kind of important to, yeah. to remember as well. Excellent. Father, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Not uh, a From problem. Nebraska City at St. Mary's Parish, Father Mark Sizza. And as we wrap up, could we ask you to impart your priestly blessing upon S us and our listeners? Certainly. Through the intercession of Mary, who is the Immaculate Conception, may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mary, Queen of Peace. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. Just love her. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, which is a 501c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts, faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com.